Good morning. Welcome to Grace. I'm Pastor Ryan. Today we look back again to Paul's letter to the Ephesians in our series called Go to Everyone. The Apostle speaks to the church out of the context of their identity in Christ as children of light. And from there he commands them to redeem the time and to live not as the unwise, but as the wise. Thanks for listening today as we respond to God's challenge to his church to do something. Not necessarily a call to foreign missions, but rather to live missionally wherever God has planted you. at our house where uh, these little guys show up. Anybody else with me? And uh, my wife likes them because they're colorful, but I hate them. Uh, anyone else with me there? Got, yeah, that's right. We got rid of these things. So when I go pick up the kids from school, the first thing we get to do when we get home from school is pick the dandelions. Now, how do you think my kids reacted the first time I told them that that's what we're going to do? Pick the dandelions. Amazing thing about dandelions is that if you do nothing... They get terrible. That's what happens. If you do nothing, they just continue to spread. In fact, you can be so vigilant on your own yard, but your neighbors aren't. And that sweet breeze blows those little seeds right back into your own yard. So it's, a, it's kind of the type of problem that's never-ending. It's continual. And day one, when, I, when my kids did this, um, was uh, n- not so much fun. And then day two, uh, it was a question as to how are there more dandelions? I thought we picked them all. But there were brand new ones that showed up. And you could see how the, it's just never-ending. They continue and continue to show up. And then the next day, guess what? The kids said, hey, are we going to pick dandelions? And then the next day, it became a game, and it became more fun, and they enjoyed it. My point in telling you that is that uh, two things. Sometimes that which needs to be done uh, won't happen unless we do it. Right? It, ne- it needs to get done, but it's not going to happen on its own. Someone has to do it. And occasionally, that's a little bit of a difficult thing to get started. But once you get into it, it can be fun and it can be enjoyable. And you can make it into a game, even something as benign and mundane as picking dandelions. When I was a young man, I went to church in Iron Mountain. And the, the church where I was at uh, had, a, had a prayer list much similar to the one that, that we have here. Um, it, it occurred to me, I think by the Spirit's leading, a question of asking... Who's praying for these people? Because their names were listed, and you heard them on Sunday, but beyond that, I didn't know of anyone in the church that was praying for these people. And so it occurred to me, well, maybe it's the, the, the clergy, right? Because that's what we have clergy for. Their job is to pray, kind of like you envision when you're in grade school, uh, that your teachers only uh, study their books and then come to school to teach. I imagine you think your pastor is just always at home, just praying, right, all the time. I found out that's not true. And that if I wasn't going to pray, I didn't know of anybody that was going to pray. If I didn't take the time to uh, go before the Lord on behalf of those who were hurting, I didn't know anybody who was. Someone needs to do it. What do you think? Does someone need to do it? Yeah. Absolutely someone needs to do it. Uh, I've seen uh, examples of this in our own church. I won't name any names, but uh, there was a time where uh, there, the, the walkway right out here by the front door, the concrete was all crumbling and cracking. And it was going to continue to look that way unless someone did something about it. And we, we have someone in our church who decided to do something about it. 
we, we had uh, someone else take a look at our uh, bulletin board area, uh, said it could use some improvement. Um, it was never going to change. Nothing was going to change unless they did something about it. You, you get my point this morning. There, there are a lot of things that can be done, but it will never happen unless you do it. Someone's got to do that. And why not let that be you? Why not let that be today? The amazing thing is that God can take somebody who is just normal and he can use you to do amazing things. Things that you will never, even in the scope of your life, see the evidence of the effect of what you allowed God to do through your life. Because I think the reality is you and I can sit there and think, well, I'm, I'm not a professional minister, right? I, I, I don't know what to say. I don't have any training in this area. And all you need to do is yield yourself to the hand of the master and he will use you with all of your strengths and your weaknesses to do amazing things. There was a story in, in the scriptures of uh, a crowd that needed food and the disciples uh, didn't have any food. Uh, and they were concerned, so they went to Jesus and said, hey, we've got to dismiss these folks. This meeting is lasting a little too long and they're going to get hungry. And uh, Jesus says, well, do you have anything here? And they say, all we got are these five little pieces of bread and two fish. That's all that we have. And that came from not their pockets. Do you know who that came from? You know the story, right? Just one little boy. What could this little boy do in the grand scheme of serving the kingdom's work? What could he do but give the little that he had? And the little that he had in the hands of the master fed the multitudes. This is the encouragement that I want to bring today as we look into God's Word. Uh, we're going to be in the book of Ephesians. If you have your Bible, I invite you to turn there with me. The title is called Let Your Light Shine. And even as we uh, heard this morning in our, uh, our readings, uh, Jesus is going to speak to the church, his disciples, and say, you are the light. It's a question of now, what do we do with it? Ephesians chapter 5 is where we're going to be. We're going to walk through uh, kind of the... Uh, a middle portion here, starting in verse 8. And we're going to seek to answer two very significant questions. The first one is this. What are you? And the second one is, what are you doing? That's it. Now, I've got to get your engagement here a little bit. I've uh, got to get the motor running. So turn to your neighbor and say, what are you? All right, good, good, good. Turn to your other neighbor... And say, what are you doing? Good. Good. All right. Okay, okay, let's pull it together. Good. I'm hearing a lot more than just that, but good. These, these, are, the, these are the two questions, and both of these are necessary. We have to have an answer as to identity. Who are we? And then once we have the proper identity, we will then have the ability to function for uh, what God has purposed us for. That, that, those are the two questions. What are we and what are we to be doing? Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 8. Paul writes, For you were once in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful to even mention what the disobedient do in secret. 
But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, for it is the light that makes everything visible. This is why it said, Wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and let Christ shine on you. Be very careful, then, how you live. Not as the unwise, but as the wise. Making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. All right, this, this is our passage this morning, and uh, both those questions were answered. Uh, we're we're going to try to unpack that a little bit today. Uh, the first thing that I want you to recognize here as we look to some observations is, uh, firstly, is this. You need to live in the light. So verses 8 and 9, uh, Paul accounts for this, a change that has happened in our lives. He says, once you were in darkness, but now you are light. Live as children of light. And that's actually one way I'd like to amend this a little bit. As much as we're to live in the light, you might recognize the, um, uh, the impetus here to say there are certain things that people do in the darkness that they're doing because it's dark. Everybody understand, right? And, and when the light shines, uh, the cockroaches scatter away. Right? And, and you and I need to make sure that we're not any longer finding ourselves... Uh, Content or satisfied with the cover of darkness. Paul says you used to be that. That's how you used to live. It's time to live in the light. And he frames it a little bit differently than simply live. Notice he says live as children of light. I, I, I really like that there. The, uh, the Greek word here for live is actually the word walk. Uh, our, our translators here in the NIV have uh, adapted it to understand. He doesn't mean like walk, but walk here is a, is a word used as a metaphor for your life, meaning more than simply I'm, I'm living where light is shining, but my manner of living. Does everybody catch this? The way in which I walk, my behavior, the words that I speak, the, the interactions that I have, how quick I am to respond, how gracious and kind I am to give. All that we do is a manner of how we walk. And our, our translators here have encompassed that idea with the idea of live. But it's to live as children of light. I like that as well because God is called light. And you have been made his child. Now, you've maybe heard me say this many times. And I'll just continue to preach it because it's how I live. But I am very concerned in how my children live. Because they carry my name. So the way in which they treat their teachers, the way in which they interact with their friends, the way in which they speak uh, to uh, adults, the way in which they run around the sanctuary at church, all of it (laughs) gives a reflection back upon me. And the same is true for you and your children, that those who come from you give a reflection back upon you. Well, more than that, hear me now, this is true as to how you live because you carry the name of your Savior. You are purchased by God. You are his child. How foolish it would be to go back and to live in the darkness when he has pulled you from darkness. We need to characterize our lives such that we don't live in the dark, but rather we live in the light. There's one other thing that he says here that's worth uh, pointing out in verse, uh, in verse 11. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness. Have you ever seen the fruit that a plant produces when it's only in the dark? What kind of fruit does it produce from the dark? None. Everybody everybody with me on this? Good agricultural lesson in church this morning. Don't put your plants in the dark. 
because uh, you won't get any fruit. And, and I, I just want to get real, uh, maybe a little pointed this morning. Uh, listen to the Spirit as He's leading you on this. But if you don't see fruit in your life, maybe it's because you're not living in the light. If you're, if you're working through, boy, I, I just keep falling back into the same ruts or I, I continually have this struggle that I just can't get over and, and these, these uh, gripes, these hindrances, these uh, pet peeves that I have that I know God longs for me to surrender to Him. Why can't I get rid of them? Where's the fruit of righteousness? Well, hey, you're not going to get any fruit if you're in the dark. You need to live in the light. That's number one. If you got that, say Amen. All right, good. Number two is this. Judge yourself, not others. Judge yourself, not others. He, he says it's a shame to even mention what the disobedient do in secret. Now, question. Is it easy to mention what the disobedient do in secret? Is that easy? Yeah, that's easy. For sure, that's easy. You could, you could point out all... We're professionals at that. Do you know that? You could teach a class on how to point out faults in other people's lives. Paul's not concerned with others here. He wants you to focus on yourself. He wants you to turn the lens inward. Give some examination to your own heart before we're so quick to point out the wrongs in others. Uh, Jesus has a good story about this in Matthew 7, and that was part of our reading. Turn there with me very briefly, if you would. Uh, Matthew 7 is Jesus is uh, laying out the way in which followers of, of Christ, followers of God, need to orchestrate their lives... Right at the very beginning, chapter 7, Matthew chapter 7, page 1505 in the Pew Bibles if you're searching for it. It's page 1448 in mine, so that won't do you any good. (laughs) Chapter 7, look what Jesus says, verse 1. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. Man, I just need to preach that again. Do you all hear me? Don't judge, or you yourself will be judged. I don't know why this is so hard. That seems really simple, doesn't it? Look what he says after this. For in the same way that you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure that you give to others, it will be measured to you. How many people here want grace? How many people here want grace? Let's go now. There you go. All right. If you want grace in your own life and not to be held to pay the account of your wrongdoing, you've got to learn to extend grace. Sometimes this is hard. I'll be real with you. Sometimes this is hard. How much harder must it have been for the God of all perfection to extend grace to us? Judge yourself. Before you ever judge others. Continue with me here in chapter 7 verse 3. Jesus says why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye. And pay no attention to the plank in your own eye. Uh, Plank here is the Greek word for two by four. I don't know if you knew that. (laughs) That's the picture. Your, Your brother's got this little thing in his eye right. It's driving you nuts. I don't like it. Hey man you got to fix that thing. Did you see that thing in his eye? It's, it's, I don't get along with him because he's got that thing in his eye, right? When the whole time you're walking around knocking people over with a two-by-four sticking out of your eye. Jesus says, how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye 
And then you'll be able to see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. The message that the church needs to understand as we learn who we are, remember that was the question, what am I? I am somebody who needs to give examination over my own life before I'm so quick to give it to others. And if you want grace in your life, you've got to extend it to others. You've got to give it to those around you. All right, next is this. Send the light. In verse 13 and 14, I'm back in Ephesians now, chapter 5. You'll see that Paul uh, lays out some um, fantastic lesson on physics and optics here. Look what he says in verse 13. Everything exposed by the light becomes visible. <gasps> Shocker. I love how Paul uses illustrations because illustrations help us to understand here. But look how simple this is. Everything that's exposed by the light becomes visible. Uh, there's, there's two things that this means for us. All right? At first in our life, it means this. You need to clean it up. All right? You need to clean it up. Uh, when I was a kid, if I shut my door and shut the light off from my room, mom couldn't see how messy it was until she turned the light on. Right? So you turn the light on and then you see all the mess that's there. Uh, It's grievous to say. And it's true that there are rooms in your heart and in my heart where we prefer just to shut the door and turn the light off. It's a mess. God's not happy with that. God's not satisfied with the answer. And this generally comes, I'm going to pick on folks who are older here for a minute. So you've got to give me grace now. Listen, though. It gets harder the older you get to say, you know, I, I recognize I need to change. I, I need to surrender these personality traits in my life to Christ. Because the older we get, the more comfortable we are with ourselves. I'm fine. I like myself just the way I am. God says, uh-uh. I want to make you into the conformity to the image of my son. I'm not content to leave you as you are. And so those doors, the rooms of your heart that have stayed locked for so long, the longer those doors stay shut the harder they are to unlock, the harder they are to open. That's the first thing this means. Send the light means let's clean it up. Let's let the light of Christ shine and to penetrate all of these places in our lives. That we would give God the authority. Uh, This past week I was uh, like spring cleaning. Anybody with me in spring cleaning time, right? Even though it's practically summer. Um, I, I went out into this old shed that we've got and opened the door and things fell on me. I mean, it was, it, it was terrible. And it's, it was stanky. It was damp. It was all, I mean, uh, I, I think if I had mice in there, they would have been like, shut the door. It's too bright. <laughs> uh, that's, that's, that's the first thing. that there, there's, a, there's a mess, but when the light shines on it, it can't stay a mess. It's got to get cleaned up. And so, and so let's be willing to open the door. Let's be willing to shine the light and let God do his work in our hearts to clean it up for us and help us to clean it up. Secondly, so first clean up. Secondly is this, not clean up, but wake up. Wake up. Look what Paul says here in verse 14 at the end. He says, this is why it is said, wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Occasionally, if my son on a weekend is staying up a little too late past his bedtime, which is basically about 10, 15, and then he's out because he can't handle it past then. Uh, but if on a Saturday I uh, need his help with something, time to uh, get up, I, I open the drapes and the shutter and the light comes flooding in the room. And what does he do? He covers up. That's right. 
And I hear muffled under the cover, go away. <laughs> Anybody else guilty? Anybody with me this morning? Yeah. Now, what does the light do? Look, in the wintertime in the UP, boy, you could sleep forever, right? Because it stays dark, right? But summertime, it's like sun doesn't ever go down, and it's up before I'm up. And you know what? That actually helps a little bit. I don't know about you, but that actually helps me wake up in the morning. If the sun's not up, if it stays dark out, I'm just, oh, I'll just stay. It's warm. I'm just going to stay asleep, right? But when the sun's up, and the birds are singing, and the light is there, hey, it's a new day. Rise and shine. This is the call to us. Listen, this is a big deal. Send the light. Let the light penetrate your life. Let, let it overwhelm you so that you wake up. God has so much more in store for you. He has so much that he wants to use you for. So these first three are really indicating for us who we are. We are children of the light. We, we need to judge ourselves and give grace to others as much as we want it. And we need to know that in our own lives, we need to live in the light because it's sent to us. So we need to clean it up and we need to wake it up. All right, fourthly is this. We need to learn to walk in wisdom. Look what he says in verse 15. This is important now because he's shifting the gears now. This is an imperative command in Greek. It's command. That means military officers, you guys get this, right? Commanding officer says, do it. What do you say? Yes. That's right. Uh, in a minute, in a minute, mom. I'll, I'll get to it when I feel like it. Uh-uh. This is a command. That's what you have in verse 15. You with me? Paul writes, be very careful then how you live. Not as the unwise, but as the wise. Uh, one of the things that I will hopefully continue to impress upon you is that you live in the world, but you are not of the world. You live in this world, but God has purchased you out of it. The, the Greek word, the original word for church, is the word ekklesia, and it means those who have been called out. You with me? All of you here, if Christ lives and dwells in your hearts, you have been called out of the world, even though you still live in it. Now, this is what this means. Every time the world comes up with something new, that doesn't mean you need to embrace it. Every time the world says, hey, here's the newest, fanciest, uh, glitteriest, fastest, doesn't mean you need to adopt that into your life. I find that there are far too many people today who are not allowing themselves to recognize this, this difference of living in the world but not of the world. And instead, I can't tell the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian because you look the same as the world. I found this comic kind of funny. A uh, couple of kids here out playing, right? <laughs> Isn't that our world today? Right? Science is slow. Children at play, right? And, and look at every single one of them on their screen. How is this true in your own life? How has that which God has made you to be and to do suddenly been truncated or stopped in its tracks because the world has offered you something that it thinks is more important? I find that today there aren't enough people who are living with any mind about them to give evaluation as to how we live. The world has got a lot of stuff out there for you. You live in it, but you are not of it. So I'm going to reiterate the command here. Be wise in how you live. 
Be discerning. Be judgmental. Not, not to place judgment on others, but in your own life to say this will be a component of what we do and what we don't do. You need to make sure that you as the ecclesia, as the church of God, are able to be distinguished from the world. Jesus tells the example of, um, in a parable form, as there's this picture of wheat that is growing, having seed that is sown by the farmer, but an evil person came and sowed weeds among the wheat. And the followers say, you know, should we pull up the, pull up the weeds? Let's get rid of the weeds. And Jesus' replies in terms of here with the farmer is that, no, if you do that, you might pull up the weed as well. And so we're going to let both grow together. Hey, that's tough. Everybody hear me? That's a tough situation we're in. I, I don't know about you, but I kind of wish we'd pull up some of the weeds. God doesn't do that. He has left that task to you. If you find that the picture of your world doesn't look right, in the same way that I look at my lawn and it doesn't look right, guess what? If I do nothing, weeds are going to continue to grow. But if I do something, I'll make a difference. If you find that your life doesn't look right, don't live like the unwise. Be wise. Live like the wise. Be discerning. And do something about it. So walk in wisdom. Fifthly is this. Act with urgency. And this is verse 16. Paul says these words. So in the command to live, not as the unwise, but the wise, he says, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Uh, the, the NIV here has done a little bit, of, again, of an interpretation of this, which is the right emphasis. You need to make the most of every t- opportunity. But the King James actually gets the translation a little more accurate here. Uh, you may have heard this before. Redeeming the time. Have you heard that? Redeeming the time. This, this verb here, make the most of every opportunity, is the word to redeem. Do you, know the, do you know what it means to redeem? Do you ever get a coupon that says, buy one, get one free? And get one of those, right? But it says, limited time offer expires May 27th. So what's that mean? You need to act now, right? You, you need to get after this now. That's that word. Making the most of every, every opportunity means there's an expiration date on this thing. You, you're running out of time. Everybody understand this? That's what it means. You're running, out of the, you're running out of time. So when the King James says redeem it, it has in mind that same idea that i got to go cash this in. i gotta make, I got to make good use of what I have right now. And so it's translated here for us, make the most of every opportunity. I'm giving it to you this way. Act with urgency. Get after it now. Get going now. Don't wait. When it comes to being the presence of God here, his hands and his feet, God has left that task to us. Now, what if I told you this? I was praying this morning, and God told me, he will give you a million dollars for every person you share the gospel with. You're all going to go right across the gas station and be sharing the gospel with them right after church, right? Every person you see, you're going to be like, that's another million bucks. That's not, I mean, you'd be, if this were real, I doubt that anybody here would, you, I could stop you from doing it. It's like the kids when the Easter egg hunt, they're like pushing each other out of the way to like get there first. Look, there's no million dollars. There's something far greater. Not a temporary blessing but an eternal reward of having purchased sinners from the clutches of hell and damage. The glory of God. 
You need to be about this. Not tomorrow. Not in a minute, Mom. You need to be about this now. We need to learn to be people who act with urgency. So remember I asked you to talk to your neighbor, right? What are you and what should you be doing? Uh, Here's how that breaks down. Uh, The first of the three of these teaches us what we are. And the last two tell us what we're to be doing. I want you to see how this is not something that's found only in Ephesians. This is something that shows up throughout God's word. So give me the permission here uh, to just read a few other passages for you. In 1 Peter 2, listen to what Peter says. And see if you can identify those two questions. What are you? What should you be doing? You ready? Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits. Did you catch it? What are you? You're foreigners and, and aliens, exiles. Simply means this. This ain't your home. You live in the world, but you are not what? Of the world. That's what you are. You're strangers here. So what should you be doing? See it? Live such good lives among who? Among the Christians. No, not among the Christians. Among those outside the church. That's the mission. Live your good lives on display for the world to see so that even if they accuse you, which, let's face it, many in the world will accuse us, especially if you follow this book, especially if you follow this book, you will be accused. It it is all the more lining up where our world is separating from being identified with what God's word says and what man says. But look at the response. They may see your good deeds and glorify God in the day that he visits. Look at Philippians 2. Paul says, do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure. Children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine like the stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ I did not run or labor in vain. Did you see it? What are you? That's what you are. You are a child of God. You are without fault living where? In a warped and crooked generation. I don't think that could be any more true than it is today. That's who you are. You are God's child living in this world that is warped and that is crooked. So that's what you are. What should you be doing? You will shine like stars in the sky. That's a beautiful thing. Did you hear the echo back from Ephesians? What did Paul say? He moved you from darkness into light. What are stars made of? Light. They shine like stars. All right, one more I wanted to give you. I want you to see. This is repeated, all right? Matthew 5, and we heard it already this morning. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except be thrown out, trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world, a town built On a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify our Father in heaven. Uh, Did you see it? What are you? You are salt and you are light. That's what you are. So what should you be doing? Let your light shine. All right. Everybody catch it this morning? I I hope that you leave church this morning hearing two main things. You belong to God. You're a child of light. Therefore, what should you be doing? Let your light shine. 
these two things, wisdom plus urgency, it, it, it equals a strategy. And, and I, I want to call the church to come up with a strategy. If, if you didn't get one of these books, I got ten more on the back. Pick up one of these books. It's very short, easy to read. It'll help to challenge you as to how to form a strategy. I want to thank you for listening this morning. I, I just have a few more points to finish, but church, hear me now. This is the type of thing that won't happen unless you do it. Do not come and just listen to me. Listen to God and obey him. Do it. Try to do this. I want you to listen to the words of that song uh, the artist said, so I shook my fist at heaven and said, God, why don't you do something? And sometimes I, I feel that way when I look at this world. There's all kinds of problems. There's all kinds of people hurting. But the answer just floors me. God replies, I did. I created you. That's what I did. If not us, then who? If not me and you. Right now, it's time for us to do something. And if not now, when? When will we see an end to all this pain? Oh, it's not enough to do nothing. Say it together with me. It's time for us to do something. This is the challenge. What are you going to do? It won't, it won't go away on its own. This world has no shortage of evil that's coming. And it won't end on its own. It's up to us. Let's pray for God's help this morning.